All right, good morning. Uh, today is May the 25th. I hope that you're doing well uh, today. Beautiful day, beautiful Saturday morning here in uh, Lynchburg, Virginia. So I figured we'd uh, take a little bit of time this morning, just a few minutes, to continue our study in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, last time we left off in verse number 21, of course, we studied Peter's the great confession, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, and what that meant. And then today we're going to pick up verse number 21 and see if we can't get through the chapter, if we can. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse number 21. Um, From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Now, understand at this point, the kingdom is being rejected, and now our Lord is turning his attention toward Jerusalem and his crucifixion. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John had, well, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptics, which means seeing together. Um, There's a chronological sequence that takes place in these three gospels. Christ comes, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. the rejection starts to take place. Some people say chapter number 12 um, in Matthew. And then he begins to go north toward Capernaum to flee, in, a, in essence, because um, they were obviously plot, plotting his demise. And then after some ministry, he begins to make his way back toward Jerusalem uh, for the inevitable, the crucifixion. So the kingdom is being rejected, and our Lord is beginning. He's turning his attention now back toward Jerusalem, set set like a flint. The Bible says he is going down to face the inevitable crucifixion. Now, understand something. This, and I think sometimes we don't grasp uh, the the gravity of this or um, understand what was going on in the minds of the apostles. Um, I mean, they were shocked when our Lord started talking about crucifixion because they were not looking for a suffering Messiah. They were looking for a reigning Messiah. I was listening to Ben Shapiro the other day, and he was talking about why the Jews rejected Jesus. Again, they were looking for a reigning Messiah not a suffering servant. Uh, and of course, we know, uh, you know, we as dispensationalists who see um, the apostasy that we're in, the whole world is looking for a deliverer. The Jews are looking for a reigning Messiah. And the Antichrist is going to give them exactly what Jesus did not. Uh, seemingly a reigning savior. He'll make the covenant with the people. Um, you know, he'll be everything that Jesus was not to them, and that's sad that they can't they can't see that. Um, so they were looking for a reigning Messiah, not a suffering Messiah. Notice it says, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples he's got to go to Jerusalem. He must suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed and raised again the third day. The problem is they probably, we know they did not hear what he was saying. I mean, sometimes we 
hear what we want to hear in a conversation. I know certainly our children do that, and I can promise you church members do that. Um, we set in a sermon, and we take away from it sometimes only what we choose to hear. Having eyes to see, they do not see, and having ears to hear, they do not <laughs> do not hear. Uh, because later on uh, in Luke chapter 24, in verse 6 through 8, he is not here, but he is risen. This is after the resurrection. Remember how he spoke to you when he was in Galilee, when he said the Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and the third day rise again. And then they remembered his words. So when our Lord said this, uh, here in verse number 21, it went right over their heads because they were, they were not looking for it. Uh, and we do that too. We, we come into conversations. We come into uh, even reading the Bible. We go into it with preconceived notions. We read into the text what we want to see. <laughs> if we're not careful, and we do it all the time. I listen to people. They'll... They'll start reading the text, and because of their preconceived notion of that text or what they've been taught that text means, that's all they can they can pull out of it is exactly what they have read into it. And that's dangerous when we get like that. And I certainly, anybody that knows me, uh, I am not afraid to say, you know what, for years I saw this, but now I'm seeing this. <laughs> you know, And the reason is because... I, I'm not as narrow-minded in that way, uh, I guess. I mean, I believe I should be narrow-minded. Narrow is the way and broad is the path that leads to destruction. I'm not talking about that, but I'm saying the older you get, the more you understand that maybe you don't know as much as you, you think that you knew. Um, I told a young person you know, a couple years ago, you know, after he asked me something, I said, well, if you would have asked me that question 10 years ago, I, I would have had an answer for you. But today, uh, all I can say is I don't know. And I've changed my viewpoint on some things based upon my maturity, my greater understanding of Scripture. Um, I mean, we grow. The Bible talks about from faith to faith, and there's nothing wrong with that. We should embrace that. Things that, you know, were maybe black and white to me then or not now, or maybe things that were gray to me then are black and white now. Um, so... We, we, we got to be careful that we only listen for what we want to hear and we only look for what we want to see. And that's dangerous. You look at the polarization, the tribalism that's taking place in our nation now. Um, we get to choose what version of truth we want, you know, whether it be on the newscasts or whether it be social media. Uh, we can kind of choose our own version of truth and that's dangerous when we get into echo chambers like that, dangerous. So I'm not afraid to admit that, you know what, my understanding has changed over time on certain things. And anybody that's following along with me now in my study through Matthew and then my thoughts on Acts, I can tell you I've changed in some ways. Um, no, it doesn't affect the fundamentals of the faith, not at all, but just uh, some issues in Scripture um, just you know, again, my my view has changed on those things. So uh, we got to be careful uh, that we don't uh, do what the apostles did here. Now, verse number 24, 
And then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So after announcing that he's going to Jerusalem to die, he says, Why don't you join me? (laughs) I mean, he's encouraging his disciples to be willing to do the same. Uh, The Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. The servant is not greater than his master. Um, And this is totally against our nature. Uh, Second only to our desire for air is our desire for survival. Um, But yet the Christian faith is about death and denial. It's not about your right to be right. (laughs) Okay, It's not about that at all. And these fly in the face of our flesh who, you know, wants to defend itself, who wants to be right. Um, That's the Lord says, if anyone desires to come after me, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to take up your cross and you're going to have to follow me. And that requires uh, action on our part. You have to actively deny your flesh. The, f- the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You have to actively every day, sometimes hourly, deny your flesh. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You have to deny those things and take up your cross. And all of us have a cross that we carry. Um, And that is designed by the Lord for us at whatever time of life we're in or whatever phase of life we're in, wherever we're at, we all have a cross and we need to follow him. That's present progressive. That means you need, we need to be following him every single day. It's not just a decision on the third line of just as I am. Uh, It is that decision is just the first of many that will follow. And then he says in verse uh, number 25, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now this is the great paradox of the Christian faith. In John 12, 24, our Lord said, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. So if we want to live for Christ, we have to die to self. Because self wants to do things <laughs> that, that Christ doesn't want us to do. So we have to die to ourselves to live for him. So in other words, the command here is that we look past the present and look to the future. Looking forward to what's what what where we're going to be, what we're going to be doing, who we're going to be serving. This life is nothing but a blip in eternity. If you were to put out a line of all of eternity and put our life there and draw from from birth to death, it's just a blip. Don't live for the here and now. Live for the then when we are with our Lord. So this is called the great paradox of the Christian faith. And in verse 26, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the entire world and he loses his soul? I mean, 
if in this temporal life, this blip, you know, I had it put to me one time, if you're born here and you die here, the only thing in the middle is a dash. Isn't that an appropriate word? <laughs> this life is nothing but a dash. What are you going to do with your dash? Okay, because what you do with your dash is going to uh, determine all of eternity. So he says, for what profit is it you, for you during your dash to gain the whole world and die and go to hell? What's the point? What, what, what profit is that? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? A wealth? Compromise? I mean, what are you going to give in exchange for your soul? In verse 27, for the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. And we are going to be rewarded from our Lord. Now, bear in mind, this is Matthew. This is under Old Testament. And it was about works in the sense that, you know, you had to do certain things to be righteous. And, but in the New Testament and our or in the church that you and I live in, the Bible does clearly teach that each of us will be rewarded according to our works that we have done in the flesh. That's what we have done for the Lord. And the Bible talks about crowns. The Bible talks about jewels. The Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. But you, he who rules over, you know, uh, faithful with a little, I'll make him rule over many things. I mean, there's a reward system in the scripture. There's no way around that. You know, I, I, hear, I hear parents say, well, I don't want to I don't want to encourage my children to obey by offering reward. Why not? Our Lord did it. <laughs> Our Lord does it. Um, so for the son of man will come in the glory of his father with his angels and then he will reward each according to his works. And then verse 28, assuredly or verily I say unto you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death until they see the son of man in his kingdom. Now, what does that verse mean? Well, it's answered in the very next chapter. Verse number one. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. This is the transfiguration. It's curious as to why the Lord took only three, three of the apostles, Peter, James, and John. Why not the rest? Well, maybe on the positive, <laughs> um, these three would prove to be the pillars of the kingdom church. And they were, Peter, James, and John. They all have, you know, they were all pillars in the church. Um, or on the negative, maybe it's because these two, these three didn't have the faith. <laughs> That the, that the other apostles had. Maybe they had to see it in order to believe it. Um, it's interesting. The word transfiguration means that Jesus began to shine so brightly that it was difficult to even look at him. You remember when Moses came down off of, the Mount, off of Mount Sinai, the Bible says that the people couldn't look at him as they were watching the, the fading glory. In other words, when he came down, he shone greatly and he had to cover his face. But as time passed, um, the shine kind of went away. Um, David Gusick says that this is not the miracle of the transfiguration. The fact that um, he shone so brightly. The miracle is that he was able to keep his glory uh, 
under such wraps that only these three guys saw it. <laughs> I agree with that. It's just like when you talk about uh, Lazarus rising from the dead, you know, the reason our Lord had to say Lazarus is because if he, if he would have said come forth, you know, everybody that was dead would have stood up. So uh, that's an interesting take by by David there. So the miracle uh, was that our Lord was able to keep his glory under wraps for as long as he did. Um, and again, this is the fulfillment of the last verse of the last chapter. Uh, last verse, last chapter was, Assuredly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the man, the Son of Man, coming in his kingdom. And who were these? Peter, James, and John, (laughs) they saw the glory of the Son of Man. Um, Now, this has caused a lot of confusion uh, because um, some will, later on, it began to be noised abroad that, um, that, um, that some of the apostles would live to see the second coming of Christ. In other words, they wouldn't die until the Lord came back. And we get this from John 21, 22 as well, because in John 21, 22, it says, um, you remember there was a conversation taking place um, between Peter and our Lord. Um, then Peter turned around and saw the disciple, John 21, 20, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following. Now, this is obviously John, the apostle, the beloved apostle. He's the only one that calls himself the beloved apostle, um, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper, and that was John, and said, Lord, uh, who is the one who betrays you? And you remember they were in the upper room or they were eating the, the supper, and you know, and Jesus said, one of you this night will betray me. And John looks at him and says, who? You know, and Peter, see him, seeing him, said to Jesus, "But Lord, what about this man?" And then, G- and you remember, there was a little friendly competition between Peter and John. Uh, both of them obviously had very big egos. Um, and Jesus said to him, "If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? Follow me." Ooh, see there. If I will that he remain until I return, what is that to you? And the next verse says, Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if I will that you remain till I come, what is that to you? So, so you know, it was noised abroad as a result of what our Lord said there, um, that, you know, these guys might live to see Uh, the return of the Lord. Well, they saw it. (laughs) They saw the Lord in his glory. Uh, I believe it was fulfilled in chapter 17, verses 1 and 2. And it's coming now. You can can go out from there. It's quite an interesting study because in in verse number 3, and behold, Moses and Elijah appeared with them talking to him. Now, now put your thinking hats on. We have the Lord coming in his glory. When's he going to do that again? Second coming. Okay. And notice here, Moses and Elijah are with him. That springboards forward to Revelation. Who are the two witnesses? Moses and Elijah. 
uh, you know, and the second coming of the Lord. So there's there's a, there's a lot going on there. I bottom line is uh, it's cyclical. It happened here. It's going to happen there. You know, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, type of the Antichrist, abomination desolation happened then. It's going to happen uh, again one day, and I, we can get into that that next time uh, that we're together. But uh, Moses and Elijah. Um, and we'll get into that next time. I'm out of time today. I've already hit my 20 minutes, but I pray that you guys are well. I pray that you're being blessed. Uh, pray for me that the Lord would give me wisdom in regards to just ministry uh, that the Lord's given to me. I believe that this whole uh, YouTube and you know SoundCloud and uh, it's such a powerful tool to reach so many. Uh, with the teaching of the Word of God. And I believe the Lord is calling me to do more with it, uh, to determine what works, what doesn't work. Um, so be praying that the Lord give me wisdom in regards to that. Um, the ministry that the Lord has given me and my wife, Building Lives International, and certainly this is a part of that ministry. Uh, I'm just praying about a few things, how the Lord wants me to do that, handle that. Um, because, you know, I mean, media, I mean, goes out to untold amounts of people that I'll never even know. I was at a conference last week and had a guy walked up to me and said that, that he followed um, my blog. I don't know this guy. <laughs> I mean, it's a powerful tool. Just pray the Lord to give me wisdom how to use that and how to go forward. I want to do what works and not do what doesn't work. So, but anyway, God bless you guys. Remember, God loves you, wants the best for you. He's working all things out for your good.